0: What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future
1: focused parenting.
0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our last episode of season one. Today we are talking about gratitude, which is a topic that is really near and dear to both of our hearts um, and feels really appropriate as we are approaching the end of season one. And we're so grateful to all of you, our listeners, so grateful for this experience. It's been just extremely fulfilling and rewarding for both of us. um, And we really look forward to bringing you season two. Um, So I just want to start really quickly by having some gratitude and acknowledgement that I don't think I dropped the F-bomb in every episode. In fact, I want to say I only did it twice, maybe Maybe. three times. So I'm experiencing some gratitude that I was able to do that. Um, But Dina, why don't you uh, share a little bit about maybe whatever gratitude you're experiencing and then also tell us your why. Why was gratitude important for you in your future-focused parenting?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, I'm really thankful just for the opportunity that we even came up with and concocted this idea. I'm thankful for that because parenting is just the importance of it really can't be overstated, but it's also something I'm passionate about. And just personally, and I think we maybe all struggle with this to a degree, but I went through kind of a long season of it. Personally, it was kind of hard for me to feel like, what is my thing? What What do I care enough about, love enough? that I wouldn't get tired of talking about it, that I maybe even have some wisdom to impart to others. And so being able to kind of land on this and do it alongside you, where our whys are sometimes quite disparate, but our hows and whats are often really similar, has just been great. So I always leave recording time feeling really invigorated, feeling excited, even feeling renewed in my own parenting. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mom so hard today. <laughs> so it's just, it's just that's been really great and in terms of gratitude specifically from a parenting perspective this was really important to me i'll admit because of a pet peeve of mine with this up and coming i don't know what i want to call it because i don't think it's necessarily like adult millennials or just teens but there's sort of this middle area where i'm seeing a lot of entitlement and just a lack of being thankful sort of this expectation that just because I am here, I deserve all these good things to come my way. And wow, I'm really mad when they don't. And that feels so unjust. And for me, I really wanted to intentionally create an environment where maybe sometimes there wasn't a lot. But we were going to be really thankful for what there was. And around that, also creating a skill to look for the good in maybe a hard way or difficult situation because I think we do have to be pretty intentional about combating that attitude. There's a little bit of complacency that comes with entitlement, like it's good enough, everything will work out, and I'm allowed to be frustrated when it doesn't because things should just go my way. That was something I wanted to be not just hoping it would work out. I really wanted to be intentional on going against that kind of grain
0: in our society right now because I do see some of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense my why was really around happiness. Um, I just really believe that gratitude is a key component to being happy. Um, And in my own personal experience, you know, I lived in London for a long time. I worked as an actor. And boy, it's easy to get depressed and down when you're a starving actor in a big, expensive city and Um, going through frustrating rejection over and over and over again. And while I was living there, a really good friend of mine, Andrew Pepper, who's amazing, um, imparted this concept of gratitude to me through a book that he shared with me that I, I consequently fell out of love with the book but really fell in love with the concept of gratitude and it sounds super cheesy it's like almost impossible to talk about gratitude without it sounding cheesy but it's true when we experience gratitude we release endorphins our bodies feel good our hearts feel warm and that is a wonderful feeling and it can often override whatever negative feelings we're experiencing so in that time in my life, switching. From a feeling of nothing's going my way and my career sucks and what am I doing with my life and all of that, switching to a perspective of gratitude, I'm grateful to be able to sit on this very hot tube and read right? I'm grateful that I have this lovely flat in London. I'm grateful that I have friends. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. It really completely shifted my entire life experience. And I have truly moved forward since then, living from a perspective of gratitude, and I'm happier for it. So for me, my why was wanting to just impart that to my kids from birth, instead of having to discover it in their 20s like I did.
1: Yeah. Waiting till your 20s is a bummer. It <laughs> really is. I want to just talk for a minute and then we can dive into what it is. How do we teach it? What are some really practical examples? But I think it is important to talk for a minute about what gratitude is not, mm-hmm. because it's unfortunate that it sometimes can get a little bit twisted. And so there's just a couple things for me that were really important. And one is that gratitude is not an ignorance or a glossing over of the hard It's not saying, oh, everything's great when it isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for us to know as adults, but also to teach our kids that gratitude is looking for what in this situation is there something in here that I could still be thankful for it doesn't mean the whole thing is fabulous and it's all unicorns and rainbows I think it's important that we acknowledge the suck and acknowledge the hard with our kids and that sometimes I think there can be this unfortunate idea that gratitude is just a sweeping under the rug of all that and I, I think that's important to demystify and just really bust that myth and the other thing it's not it's not at least. Mm. I get really frustrated when you know, someone dies and they want to throw out, well, at least they're not suffering anymore or someone has a miscarriage, well probably something was wrong with the baby. That's a platitude. That's not gratitude. That's trying to gloss over someone's pain, and I think it's actually not appropriate. So I just want to make sure our listeners are clear and that as you're trying to teach this to your children, it isn't this blanket idea that everything's fantastic. We're not asking you to be disingenuous, and we're not asking you to be inauthentic. It's okay to share your heart. You're going to hear our heart a lot. You're going to hear our real. And this isn't about getting away from authenticity, but it's about learning to find the good.
0: Yeah, I, I could not agree more. You know what I love is um, you and I did not discuss that before you shared that and that I could not have said that better myself. So we are really quite aligned on the definition of that. And and I think, you know, our listeners have heard me say, I say to my kids all the time, you can't get through life without. And one of the things you can't get through life without is hardship. Everyone is going to experience hardship, and so I try and send that message over and over and over to them. It's normal. If we go into life expecting everything to be hunky-dory, we are going to be unhappy and disappointed. So we have to go into life knowing that life is full. It's full of joy and sadness. It's full of pain and laughter. It's full of all these things, and if we embrace it as a as holistic concept, we're much more likely to be happy. And so I think you've nailed it, that gratitude is not about dismissing all the other stuff because that's not living a full life either. That's living a lie. It's about acknowledging what's good so that nothing gets too outweighed, right? That's right. We don't want to be
1: out of balance. And when we're just mired down in the negativity, that's
0: not healthy at all. Right. And being mired down in the positivity isn't healthy either because then we're not processing our feelings around stuff that's hard. So it's creating that healthy balance. But too often in our Western culture, especially, we are really encouraged to either wallow in the stuff that's hard or only see the stuff that's hard. And gratitude is really the key to finding that balance again.
1: I would totally agree. And there are some practical ways that you can teach this that aren't even super hard. And one, which I am at risk of sounding like a broken record, but I'm okay with it, is at the beginning, especially when kids are younger, a lot of this is modeling. Hearing mom and dad and other adults, too, I think teachers, coaches, they have an important role here, too, aunts, uncles, any caregiver, really have an important role to be talking about what's positive. Wow, that went great today. Or I really love how my drawing turned out. Or I had a great day at work today. That interaction with a coworker was great. What went great about your day? So they're watching. They are watching. That I mean, that can't be overstated either, just how much their eyes are on us and their ears are open. And so we're really communicating with how we act and how we speak in those younger years. And I think that's really critical. And then what you just heard me do where you share a positive, something you found that you were thankful for, and then flip it to them. Let them know you're interested in what went great for you today. And that questioning, I love using questions in almost every area, but particularly with gratitude. When my kids were just learning this, they sometimes needed to be asked. And they would have to maybe even
0: sometimes think about what did go good. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about our hows. So what were your hows? How did you go about you know, modeling and teaching your children gratitude? Well, one was,
1: I'm going to go in stages because I did this differently when they were younger than I do now. So, and not to say we've abandoned the first, we've added the second. So when they were younger, we instituted what we called the powwow. And it was at the end of our day, some people will call it a high-low Um, we would talk about something that went great in our day and something that we were not such a fan of. And I liked this because, A, I got to get a little window into their day and how they experienced it. But again, it was this idea of balance. It is okay to say, this part of my day wasn't my favorite, but I'm really thankful for this part. And even though we might not have always used the words gratitude or thankful, when we say something that went great in our day, we're glad it happened and we're thankful. And so I think it's a first way they can learn to be thankful for what's going on in their world, whether that be for a person or an interaction they had, or even a thing. Sometimes they were thankful for a birthday gift. I mean, that's okay. So that was something we did when we were younger. Now, I am chauffeuring a lot to different kid activities. And so we like to say we redeem our time in the car. We don't let it just be another long drive to wherever, or we're just going to turn on music and block each other out I actually don't allow two earbuds in the car sometimes they will have one but I always have to have one I require one ear out so that if I need to address them they can hear me and things like that but often we have succeeded in having no earbuds at all and we'll talk about their day and I have kiddos who are open to this I'm not saying everybody is they will also bullet journal things that they're thankful for sometimes even just three and I know, especially for my daughter, that's made a huge difference in her mental outlook to be intentionally thankful and even to write it out. And so it's not that we've abandoned talking about the, the good or the hard in our day. It's that maybe when we're in the car, we're going to go a little more in-depth. And then I might encourage them, that was a good one, maybe write that one down.
0: Mm, I love that. What about you? Well, we did a, a few different things that were really gratitude focused activities in our house so one is we did something really similar to you um we called it rose and thorn we actually got it the obamas did it or do it and um it's the concept that every day has a rose and a thorn which is exactly what you said because it's true most days you're going to have something that's great and something that's hard Um, and then we added on to that grateful so what's your rose today what was the best part of your day What's your thorn today? What was the hardest part of your day? And what are you grateful for? And we really encourage the rose and the gratitude to be different so that we're getting more positive than negative every day. Um, And just like you said, I swear I get way more information from them when we do rose and thorn. We do it at dinner every night. And my husband and I actually started doing it when the kids were born. And so they've just literally seen it modeled. And then when they got old enough, we brought them into it. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I get way more information. You know, how was school today? Fine. But then when we're doing Rose and Thorne, I hear about this really fun science project that they did and that, you know, so-and-so at school really hurt their feelings today. So I feel like it's, it is such a good window into their day. And I would say it's the same with my husband. You know, he comes home. How was your day? Fine. But Rose and Thorne, I hear about the great meeting that he had and this frustrating proposal, you know, or whatever it may be. I actually, like... I feel like I can't speak about Dave's work because I don't 100% know what he does. <laughs> like, like, I have not mastered his elevator speech yet. So um, when I talk about his work, it might be a little vague. But anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so that was the first thing we did. The second thing we did is a little different. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying about this balance of, you know, it, it's going to have hard and good. So I actually changed the ending to all stories and fairy tales that say, and they all lived happily ever after because I think it's nonsense. No one lives happily ever after. It is nonsense. So we have always changed it to, and they lived a full life ever after. And we talk about the fact that to live a full life, you have to experience all feelings, and that includes hard feelings and blah, blah, blah. So then we took that one step further when they got older. And I have this theory that I um, impart to my clients when I have private clients, the glass jar theory. And so if you imagine a glass jar If I spend my day only noticing the hard stuff, if I'm only putting in the negative stuff, so let's pretend those are like little pieces of sticks, if I'm only putting in the sticks, then my glass jar, all I can see are sticks. And then when something really bad happens, I have this big pile of poo in the middle of all these sticks and that's all I can see. As opposed to people who live a life of gratitude, who take the time to notice their happiness, they're putting things into that jar. They're putting little pink puff balls in. Now, they're also putting the sticks in there. It's okay to put the sticks in there. But then when that big pile of poo comes into the jar, you have a jar that is buffered by all these pink puff balls. It's not the only thing in the jar. So true. So when they got old enough, we actually brought a glass jar into the house. And I did this exercise. And I explained to them, look, like, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about my day. And I told them about a day. And when I was describing the day, I said the exact same things, but I only put—we had purple puff balls and green puff balls. I only put green puff balls in as I was describing the day. And I said, "What color's the jar?" And they said, "Green." And then I did the exact same day. I described the exact same day, but I then put in purple and green whenever there was something positive, I noticed it, and I said, "What colors the jar?" And they said, "Well, it's both, but it's mostly purple." And I said, yeah, that's the difference. When we live a life of gratitude, the color of our jar changes. Absolutely. And something that's really important
1: to, I think, make a note of is that it is okay to be aware that not everyone is wired to lean this way. And that just like a muscle can grow in strength from using it, practicing gratitude can help you grow in this skill. And it is absolutely doable, even by people who aren't wired to just be super Pollyanna about everything. And I think that's important because, especially as we're teaching our kids, for some of them, it might not come supernaturally to them where it feels super easy and they're just going to naturally gravitate to everything that is great. And I wanted Sienna and Mark to know this can be a learned skill even if it isn't this innate natural gift that you have. And I think our listeners should know that. Adults, parents should know that. You can also learn to do it and then teach your kids to do it. So there are some people who, of course, have that natural bent and are just super positive, which is great. But I'm even talking to myself here because I'm not in the camp where that comes as easily. And I think it's important to say, well, that doesn't mean you get to throw up your hands and go, I'm not wired that way. It's not an excuse it's a reminder and an encouragement that you can learn and that this is a skill that can be developed.
0: I love that. That is so, so true. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's amazing what happens when you start to notice how much there is to be grateful for. So I say to my clients all the time, if you live in the first world above the poverty line, there is always something to be grateful for. Always. And it doesn't have to be huge, right? It can be my first cup of coffee every morning i honestly have a private moment of gratitude when i take my first sip of coffee every morning it's conditioned i've taught myself to do that it makes me smile it makes my heart happy and i experience that positive moment just in that moment now it doesn't mean that there isn't a meltdown that happens five minutes later over breakfast that isn't really super hard but then after the meltdown i will often then look around and think gosh i'm so lucky i have such a lovely house right or you know my kids melt down but not a lot like i'm so grateful so trying to see both it's not dismissing one it's seeing both and so a lot of the times when the kids come home and there's something hard i allow that to be there but then we'll also talk about okay well what was good today right what was fun today just trying to send that that message of the hard is okay and then we also need to make sure we're noticing the good i
1: agree and i want to just affirm something you said because I love that your first moment of gratitude happens in the morning and with one of your very first activities because I really believe that the way we start our day sets the tone for our day. And so if we get up and we're mad at the world and we're grumpy and we got woken up in an unfortunate way and that was frustrating or we woke up before our alarm because the garbage truck was noisy and we're already focusing on the negative, wow, you've just laid a foundation for a pretty rotten day. But if you wake up and Actually, there's something to be grateful for right there. I woke up again mm-hmm. today. I have another day, another opportunity to live on this earth and do the things that I enjoy, and parent my children, and be a spouse, or go to work—all those things. It sets the tone. So, I would really encourage people too if they're looking for some simple takeaways. That can be one. Number one, it, it can be learned. Mm-hmm even if you don't lean this way. And number two, consider trying have it be somewhere in the morning so that it sets the tone for the rest of your day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think bookending it really. So setting the tone in the morning and then doing something like your powwow or the rose and thorn at the end of the day to then reflect back and search for positivity. Um, I'm amazed how many days my children are thornless. And I'm thornless today. It's Mm. like, that's so cool. And it's not all the time. And I certainly wouldn't encourage them to be. And let's talk about that for one second, too, because I sometimes have clients. uh, My kids are too little for this. But I have clients who swing the other way. They're like, but there are people starving in the world. And my problems are so small. And and that is true. I do not want to diminish that. I really believe that it's a, a balance between within the context of my beautiful life this thing is hard. And it's okay to have both. And having that perspective that, yeah, first world problems. It's good to know you're having first world problems and to acknowledge that is a first world problem. But it's also okay that you live in the first world and that that's a problem. Does that make
1: sense? Oh, for
0: sure. And I, it,
1: the perspective piece is huge there because it is important to maintain perspective that overall, just by virtue of where we live and the time we're in, et cetera, we have it pretty great. But it doesn't mean that with that particular backdrop, this circumstance isn't challenging. It doesn't mean that. Mm -hmm. It's going to look very different to someone who isn't already in the first world, of course.
0: But it doesn't negate that it's hard. Exactly. Given the circumstances that you live in, which are really great, Mm -hmm. this is very hard. The other thing we do with our kids, and we've talked about this in other episodes, um, is really around around charity and around talking about what we see in our community and using that as an opportunity to experience our own gratitude. So we live in a community that is a huge mix of affluent and very poor. Um, and the kids' school is uh, a Title I school, which means that I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's like over 40% of the population at the school are on free or reduced lunch. So a lot of poverty, a lot of kids who come in through shelters. Mm. Um, And so our kids are really on the affluent side, which for Dave and I is sort of surprising because we don't necessarily consider ourselves to be wealthy. We're not wealthy. Um, But for the kids, they fall on the wealthier side. And so they're exposed to a lot of children that just don't have what they have. And so for us, it's teaching a a certain amount of um, compassion empathy, right? Thinking about what that might be like to have that experience and then using that as an opportunity to first and foremost be grateful. We are so fortunate. We use that word a lot. Aren't we so fortunate that we have enough food on the table? Aren't we so fortunate that we have a warm home? Like if we see someone homeless on the street, for example, we are so fortunate that we have a warm home. But then also then talking about because we are fortunate, we have a responsibility to help those that are less fortunate. And so what choices are we making to support them whilst also appreciating what we have?
1: Absolutely, and there is an obligation there. And our family as a Christian family, this was one of the ways that we taught them to recognize and look for God's blessing. Mm-hmm. so that they weren't also assuming that things that went great, they brought about on their own. And and that can be a little funnel into entitlement too, actually. Everything great about my life, I have created and all the bad stuff has just happened to me. And I'm a victim when we don't always recognize that we might've been a contributor to that too. But I loved that for even my little ones, just training them to look for, wow, God was really good to us. And that was really beautiful to see them learning at a young age and now recognizing as they're older, too. But I agree with the other side of that coin, too. Because we're blessed and because we've been provided for in such an amazing way and because we're fortunate, we have a really important responsibility to share with others, to bless others. We, we, we say bless with our excess. So we actually are fortunate enough to sometimes have extra we have a responsibility to steward that well and to help people who don't have extra or maybe even don't have enough and finding tangible ways to do that is a great way to help instill gratitude one of my kids favorite charities that we've found is a charity that gives wheelchairs to people in nigeria who have polio and while here that's pretty much an eradicated disease that isn't the case in africa and what happens is once they're crippled they're crawling in the dirt And a wheelchair for them is literally a game changer, and it only costs $150. So when we have extra, we like to wait till we have $150 and send that off and know literally someone's life has changed with $150. So such a way for us to be thankful, but also to help someone who is less fortunate due to, like you said, just circumstances even, where they live, not having access to vaccines and those kinds of Mm -hmm. things. So that responsibility piece is important.
0: I want to ask a quick question. Because I'm not I'm not a faith-based person or a faith-based family how do you this is a little off topic but I'm curious and I think my listeners people who kind of resonate more with what I where I come from are going to want to have this question answered too so how how do you explain to the kids or what are your views based on the idea that God has blessed you? how do you explain the people that aren't as blessed? I knew you were gonna ask that. <laughs> That's how well I know you.
1: Well, I got this question pretty early, and there's no way to do it fair justice in a really short time. But I can tell you two main principles is that Christians who are actual Bible-believing Christians not just, like, say that as kind of a title, like, I generically believe in God— believe that god is sovereign and that's a really tricky long theology that would be too long to unpack but what it essentially means is that we trust that god's ways are above our own and so sometimes we're going to see things that on an earthly level we're like that kind of leaves us head scratching like that doesn't make sense if god would be so kind to us and let us live in the first world and have this nice house why is that not happening over there so that's one piece is that teaching about god's sovereignty and that it is okay. You talk a lot about validating. I taught my kids a lot. It is okay to not understand some things. And there I think, well, I think this is true for almost any paradigm, but especially in a faith-based system, there has to be some comfort with discomfort. You have to sometimes sit with gray. So one piece is unpacking that God is sovereign, which I can't do full justice, but that, that is one piece of it. The second one, however, though, is that blessing isn't always material. So I've been to some third world countries where, frankly, the people were way happier Mm -hmm. than Americans. And so we talk about how those are also gifts. Look, God has blessed them with this happy spirit in spite of living in a corrugated cardboard house. And we don't always have that blessing. We're not always blessed with a great attitude, even though we have all this material blessing. And so I think it's important for our kids, too, as I was teaching them this, to qualify that a blessing isn't always material. Mm. So just two quick things, but that's a big, bigger question. Yeah,
0: no, it is. It's a huge question. But you know what's fascinating to me, and I mean, this isn't going to surprise you because we are so similar despite being so different, <laughs> is really that's essentially the conversation we have. We just take the God piece out of it. Right. You know, like, well, there's some stuff about the world we just don't understand, and we have to trust that one day hopefully we'll figure it out, or we might not. But that same conversation of there's parts of this that aren't comfortable, Yes. and Maybe we just have to be okay Now, of course, what you guys have that, again, I love and I just sometimes I just sometimes wish I could get there, honestly, because I do feel like people who live a faith based life, what you have in that moment is something beyond the discomfort. Mm. So I'm giving my kids, you know, well, we just don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me that it that does feel unfair. Um, And then we jump to, well, what are we going to do? to help whereas you gets to jump to what are we going to do to help and there's a god that that makes sense even if we don't get it which is really cool i mean i i get i get the value in that that's yeah. a really and it does lend
1: some comfort because we're going it doesn't make sense but we can trust that it does make sense to god so that that is a little bit comforting. But what's so nice is that we can sit here and we've talked about this before. We're really hoping these kind of dialogues are a microcosm for dialogues that should be happening all over the place. Having the same why actually isn't imperative for parenting well. No. And and the same thing for today's topic. It's not imperative to teaching gratitude.
0: Mm-hmm. Coming at it. You can come at it from a couple of different spots and still really get there in a lovely way. Well, and I just love, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, but I just love that you are the kind of Christian that I can say all of what I just said to, and there's no judgment and there's no, well, think about it this way or trying to convince me, you are comfortable with my beliefs. And I love that because that is refreshing. That is a refreshing experience and one of the reasons I love you so much.
1: It's nice when you can have a rare experience yeah. with someone whose paradigm is different than yours. I've had, I've had the same with you, and I can say that honestly. It's really nice. And it's something I'm thankful for. Amen. So today's quote, I apologize. I don't know who it's by, so maybe it's anonymous. But if it was you, we'd love to give you credit, so I'm sorry. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. Isn't that the truth? So true. So true. And we are coming into the holiday season and that time where we can be thankful about family and friends and look back on the past year and think about those things. And so whatever holidays you celebrate, we wish you a very happy holiday season. And what are you going to be up to, Kira, over the time that we're not recording.
0: Well, it's Hanukkah as we speak, Mm -hmm. Um, so we're in the midst of lighting some candles, and um, we will be celebrating Christmas this year. Without my in-laws, they're not going to be here because my nephew was born. Oh, that's right. So they're going to enjoy their first Christmas with him. But yeah, we will just be chilling out. We're going to go see the Grinch on Christmas Eve. I'm very excited for that. How about you guys?
1: love the Grinch. Just so much fun. We are headed to Hawaii, actually, with the whole family bringing the kids for the first time and it's just going to be I think a nice time to get away and plus since we're up in the pacific northwest we're upper left it'll be great
0: to get some sunshine so we're looking forward to that Yeah, you know I'm suitcase-sized, right? (laughs) Our listeners probably don't know that, but I actually do fit in a suitcase, so if you have any room, you can be a stowaway. Yeah, perfect. I will take Hawaii over the Grinch. The Grinch sounds great, but I'm going to go ahead and choose Hawaii. And they do have theaters in Hawaii. That's true. (laughs) You can see it there. (laughs) I love it.
1: We also want to let all of you know, we've mentioned a few times that we've both been in the process of working on our book, and Kira has this fantastic workbook for expectant parents just to think through your priorities and your family values and how will you handle roles once baby comes and all of these things. And I've developed a workbook for infant sleep and thinking about, hey, what's important to me as a parent? And how do I value sleep? And how would I like to maybe help my baby with some really gentle and effective strategies to increase their sleep, which means also the parent gets more sleep. And both of our books are in the final editing process. We both have proofs in our hot little hand that we're reading through before publishing. So you can look for those on Amazon and on our website in the new year.
0: Yes, very exciting. And they go really well together because you can have one while you're expecting and use my workbook and then move right on to Dina's sleep strategies. Yes, right when you're sleep
1: deprived, move to the next book.
0: Perfect. Excellent. So I want to leave you with this amazing piece of information that Dina and I have discovered. I have been saying through this entire season that ratings and reviews are the key to a successful podcast. And whilst that is true, what we have learned over this season is that relevancy is the key to a successful podcast. So if you have rated, if you have reviewed, here's what we ask of our listeners next. Please tell your friends, share us on social media, recommend us on Facebook. All of these things help us increase listenership, which makes us relevant. Now, we are about to finish our season, which means we're gonna go on a break over the holidays. If you have a friend who hasn't started listening, this is a great opportunity for them to binge listen to our podcast and get caught up because season two is going to drop on January 21st. We have a very exciting season ahead of us. We're going to have our first interviews. So we're going to invite some guests onto the show. You will also see us on a few exciting platforms. We are being interviewed and we've got some stuff being published on some popular blogs. So things are really starting to roll for us.
1: And last, but certainly not least, Kira and I are developing something special for our podcast listeners that you can be watching for that will be really practical and that is a takeaway you can actually use. And so we're really excited to roll that out in the new year and we'll be able to tell you more of the details on our first episode in the new year.
0: We have some exciting topics as well. We've got a laundry list. No pun intended. Well, maybe a little bit. Maybe. Um, We've got a laundry list of really cool topics. So take a break. Enjoy your holiday season. Wishing you all a very, very happy new year. And we so look forward to bringing you season two, episode number one, on January 21st. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded, shockingly, in my laundry room. For more information on us, you can go to futurefocusparenting.com. If you have any questions, if you want to suggest a topic, if you want to give us something to do a spin cycle on, we love hearing from you. Info at futurefocusparenting.com. If you haven't followed us on Facebook, Instagram, all the places, our handle is at RaisingAdults Podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to rate or review, please do. We're so grateful for each and every one. Thanks so much for listening.